So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies-to-lovers tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on but when it's like oh we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening it's like very different (laughs) and there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves greek gods and goddesses regency era historical fiction for you sam and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure new content is released every week so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again you can always find something new to explore dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up dipsystories.com slash just break up look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like watching our friends try to cope being triggered by our partner's desires, and falling out of love. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not in any way qualified to do this. Mm-mm, not qualified. In fact, we <laughs> recorded the intro three times because the first <laughs> two intros, Sam and I forgot to say our own names. <laughs> so if that's if that's any proof, after 108 episodes, <laughs> that we are not qualified. We haven't qualified. gotten any better. No, nope, not at all. We are just take, as unqualified. <laughs> yep. Please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings, so please shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing thing that is love. By the way, it's episode 108 now. Can you believe... We That's passed, amazing. We passed the 100 milestone, and um, now they're just racking up. Anyway, it's yeah, great. It's, unfortunately, like the milestones get less and less exciting now. Well, they get harder to reach. Like, what are we going to yeah. be? 120. You know, <laughs> like we're not going to celebrate that. Uh, well, I celebrate this cool. podcast every day of my life, though. So, yes, by working. <laughs> And recording and reading letters. Uh, that's right. <laughs> we ce- we celebrate all of you through our labor, um, happily, joyfully. 
Anyway, uh, welcome to this episode. What's our check-in topic today, Sam? Well, um, Peter and I have an anniversary coming up. Yay! Which is super exciting. Happy Year early two. anniversary. It's been a wild couple of years, I'll tell you mm-hmm. what. Yes, it has. But um, we were talking the other night about what we want to do for our anniversary and you know, the fact that we can't really go places right now was Mm -hmm. a damper on our usual Mm -hmm. habit of like going to dinner or going to a play or something like that. Um, And I thought it would be fun to brainstorm ideas. (laughs) This is all like very self-serving. Brainstorm some ideas of like things you can do to celebrate big milestones in COVID when it's so hard Mm. to, to be joyful and celebrate. And you shared this on a Patreon episode, but you're also doing a Sober September, right? Yes, also so I'm doing that. So celebration does, cannot include like bubblies or anything. I, I mean, mean it can include bubbles, mocktails. just no alcohol in it. <laughs> yeah, you you and your bubbly water. You know what's so mm. cute? Um, my little niece and nephew, they call um, LaCroix or um, seltzer sp- spicy water. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Isn't that so cute? They're two, so. <laughs> yeah, when my... When my nephews were little, they called it tickle water. So tickle water. Oh my God. So cute. (laughs) Um, Okay. And I also think that we can connect this to, we've been getting a lot of questions about COVID dating or like dating Mm -hmm. practices in times of a pandemic and making sure everyone's safe. How do you celebrate or like, it's either like, how do you date in COVID? But also I think we're gearing this answer or this check on topic towards more like, how do you break out of the rut of quarantine and celebrate mm. those special milestones um, while staying safe? What are your inst- Do you have any instincts so far? What are you guys leaning to? Because you normally go see plays, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what I'm leaning towards is um, getting takeout from our favorite restaurant, which mm-hmm. is probably where we would go anyway, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is really great that they're offering takeout and supporting local restaurants is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I think I was thinking like one of us, like we could each pick our favorite movie and like watch a double feature, um, which will be a hard transition because like (laughs) mine is like Pride and Prejudice and his is like The Shining. So like (laughs) I thought it would be like Dumb and Dumber, you know, like Uh that's a difference. Right. Or um, I was also thinking because Hamilton is on Disney Plus, that would be like a replacement for going to a play. Plus, um, it's like fun, a million like... hours long, so you could it would be like watching a double feature. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And um, we could like make popcorn and cute. like do it upright. Um, and we would get like... You should do like a Peter's candy favorite, bar. Like, yeah, that would be cute too. And uh, For me, it's like actually uh, Will and I, Willow and I are going camping um, next week, which mm. I know is a practice that you don't ideologically understand. <laughs> I don't get it. Why would you sleep on the ground when you could sleep in a bed? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's our it's our fake honeymoon. Um, like oh, cute. We weren't. We can't go on a honeymoon because we don't want to spend money on it. But also because of COVID. Um, so I'm just like bawling out on snacks. For me, it's like if there were a love language, if there was a sixth love language, it would be food. So uh, I always, um, you know, I say that you and Peter, if you guys like candy or have sweet tooths or whatever, you should get, you should just go all out on snacks and have like a candy bar that you eat while watching your show. The other idea that I thought of that I've been meaning to look into is some of my family members did a virtual escape room. Oh, cool. 
I know. And so I don't know what the parameters, are, excuse me, I don't know what other similar opportunities are out there, but it sounds like that a lot of stuff are becoming, there's becoming like a virtual thing. Uh, like my sister and her family recently did like a, a murder mystery sort of game, you know, not mm-hmm. like the how to, what's the one that is advertised on other true crime podcasts that you have to, like, oh, how to, to catch a killer catch or something a killer or something. Yeah. Or some, yeah. Sponsor us. Um, <laughs> even though we have nothing to do with murder other than crushing my heart. Um, but you know, some sort of like virtual activity that is, that puts you out of your comfort zone. That would be the only thing because Willow and I watched like a ton of movies over when we For were sure. in like heavy quarantine. So I'm kind of like movie night out because that was our go-to date for like three months. Um, yeah. I love the idea of like seeing if there's like a subscription box out there that sends you a different game or something every yes. month. Cause I think mm-hmm. that that's just such a good way to, to break, break out of the rut. Yeah. Exactly. Like, we watch we watch TV every night. Like, right, so exactly. Like, well, <laughs> how exactly. do we make it more exciting? Yeah. Mm, what else could you do? Uh, this is definitely not your style, but um, you could do a porch picnic. Mm-hmm. Like in, you know, but then you're like, why am I eating on the ground? Why can't I eat at a table? Very similar. <laughs> you learn understand me so well now. <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> um, what else could you do? Let's see. I'm thinking about things I could like put people out of their again out of their normal routine mm-hmm. um oh i got into i've always loved baking but recently i've been like fuck it i'm gonna make a really bougie ass cake so you guys could like do some intense cooking projects together i know you guys both like to cook um that's maybe a great idea like, i love baking so yeah you know to like frost a beautiful cake or whatever and then just eat it all in bed together <laughs> <laughs> again what we don't eat things in bed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, we definitely do, if you know what I mean. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. It's so easy. No. Come on. It was it was great. I loved it. Thanks. Uh, what, thinking outside of your relationship, I'm trying to think about what else, what other people could do. Oh, here's something I've always loved to do when I have energy and time and a lot of love. <laughs> Like a fun um, treasure hunt around the city in places that are important to you that aren't mm-hmm. COVID, that are, are COVID friendly. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know, you could go to the park where you got engaged and you could like hide something for Peter. Good thing he doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. And then he'd have to go to another place. And then, and then like one of the clues could be like, go pick up our dinner <laughs> at the <this> takeout place. <laughs> I'm all into yes. treasure hunts. When really they're just instructions, like <laughs> to for him to do things for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. To like pick up errands. Yeah, yeah. Go to the anyway. dry cleaner and get my suit. Um, yeah, just kidding. I don't wear suits anymore, and I definitely don't, don't get dry things clean. dry cleaned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, I was also thinking like a nice bath of some sort, like some totally. sort of like self care thing for both of us, like masks and bubbles and all of that good stuff. So cute. Well, that's, I wonder if like, um, I don't know if you like the treasure hunt idea. (laughs) It doesn't really feel like a Sam Blackwell approved (laughs) thing, (laughs) but you could like hide little packages around the city and hope that like squirrels or, you know, hipsters don't find them and, you know, root around, which could include, or maybe you just like wrap up presents for him and it's like candy bar, face mask, bubble or bath bomb, favorite movies. Or a Disney Plus subscription. I don't know if you have one already. 
We okay. don't, but we use <laughs> my sister's friends. They don't know that we use it. <laughs> just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Carol, or whoever her name is. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, go ahead. No, I had something, and then it, it left my head. So you do go. you do do you do like massages? Do you, um, do I'm not very good at massages. I don't have your your witchy fingers. <laughs> do you want to explain that to the listeners, or else I just sound like a, a perv? <laughs> <laughs> uh sierra has i don't know how to describe them besides witchy, witchy fingers which is like very she's just very hands. good at massages yeah and i'm like, very good you know where the things are to touch <laughs> which is how i describe <laughs> sex as well <laughs> and i do not have those those skills yeah My hands yeah are also very sam, They're sam frail. wasn't really raised with a lot of like um physical touch right like that no. like you know, so I was like, let me, he's like, my neck hurts. I was like, let me give you a neck rub. And he was like, oh God, what's happening? <laughs> but he liked it so much that he stayed, but I could tell it's like, when uh-huh. a cat, it's like when you pet a cat and they're like, this yeah. feels good, but I'm not in control. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Just why massages are just not. Yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway. Um, okay. So no massages, uh, but massages for other people. Great idea. <laughs> Peter. Oh, no. You mean other, yeah, yeah, other relationships. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm definitely really into the online virtual experience game, like a, like, or a subscription box, like you said. I do know that there are, like, I think because we're a relationship podcast, I always get ads on Instagram about, like, couples questions, games, games, so you can, like, ask each other questions and stuff like that. Yeah, Peter gave me one of those for Christmas. And then we didn't uh, use it. So now's the time. We'll, oh my God. We'll bring then it up. Use it. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> you totally should. Um, and uh, what else? <laughs> Maybe we'll get a dog. <laughs> yeah. Opal just snuck up into the Zoom screen. Um, I think I, that's like tapped out for me. What would Willow and I do? Um, for me, I, and this is, it's always about your partner and what they need or what they, what helps them. Willow is the type of person who like needs help clocking out. So I would mm-hmm. probably like make a really good meal, get a nice bottle of wine and go for a walk and then like lay and watch the sunset. But that's what I would do. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys have any suggestions about how to celebrate milestones, you can hit us on our Instagram. You can DM us, slide into our DMs at justbreakupod.com and I'll post all of your answers. Or how have you been celebrating things in COVID? Um, I love that. And like, we'll share them. And also like, if you could do it before September 15th, that would be really fantastic for me. (laughs) Everybody send Sam a happy anniversary on September 15th. Oh my God, please Good wedding. Wonderful wedding. Except for my jumpsuit was falling apart. If you go back and listen to the episode, it was probably like our 20th or 18th episode. It was really early when Sam got married. Uh, You'll hear a recap of the... Of the whole wedding. It was fun. It was super fun. All right. Let's get into some letters. Let's do it. All right. Our first letter comes from Maggie Brown, who is writing from the Netherlands. Dear Sam and Sierra, a letter from the Netherlands. I discovered (laughs) your podcast about a week ago and since then have started binging your episodes chronologically. And it feels like I'm getting to know you more and more. I am a 20... I know, right? You are getting to know us more and more because we don't have filters when it comes uh-uh. to this podcast. Uh-uh. We slowly fall apart from episode oh, every one week. to 108. <laughs> I am a 27-year-old bisexual poly woman and an English major. Hi. 
Hi. And I, and I love how inclusive you guys are of Polly, even when you're not Polly yourselves. You guys are awesome and often make me cry with your affirmations. I do deserve love. So yeah, thanks for telling me. <laughs> this letter is not about me, though. I'm ready to ask you for advice on how to talk to a 25-year-old friend I worry about. We've been friends for over five years, and I'd say close friends for three years. When I got to know her, she was still together with her ex. They got together when they were very young, about 14, and at some point the relationship was more of a brother-sister thing, and they decided to break up. It was a friendly breakup, but of course it was sad. This breakup is eight months ago. A few months after the breakup, she started dating a friend of mine. Let's call it a situationship. I, it was on and off and not necessarily healthy and definitely a rebound. A rebound. She often a felt rebound. very... <laughs> a rebound. Whatever. Bond. Rebound. <laughs> that was nice a great work. joke. <laughs> <laughs> she often felt very insecure because of the things he said or didn't say. They broke up after a couple of months, and then, I think, right after she started dating this guy from Tinder. It all went really fast. She had sex on the first date, and on the third date, they went on a weekend away together. As someone with very severe fear of commitment, this really freaked me out, but let's not talk about me. Everything was perfect, although she did feel very insecure because everything went so fast. Then after the trip, this guy drops a bomb and says, oh yeah, you know I'm Jewish, right? I realize now I, can, I can't actually marry a non-Jewish woman, so we can't have anything serious. I'm religious myself and think this guy is a total a-hole. My friend was heartbroken and they broke up. This was three weeks ago. In the three weeks after, she slept with five different men and is currently working on her next project. She doesn't identify as Polly and she doesn't tell these men what they can expect from her. I'm very sex positive and my friend often feels like she never feels judged by me. I love that and I want to keep it that way. It's true. I don't judge, but right now I do worry. Her behavior doesn't look healthy to me. She often tells me that what's going on in her life is a lot and that, as we say in Dutch, she has a full head. I guess in English she would say something like, her head is overflowing. Oh my God, I love she that. Has, I know, right? My head is always overflowing. <laughs> she has often said that she would take it easy for a bit because she knows that would be better. And then the next day she has sex with a new person again. To me, it seems like she has a lot to process. She doesn't have the stability anymore that she had in her relationship with her ex. She found a guy who she adored who dropped her like a brick, another Dutch saying for you. And she is very insecure about a lot of things. She doesn't seem to be doing much of the head and heart work to process all this, but copes by just sleeping around faster than her head can keep up with. Mm. Adding to that, in times of COVID-19, six guys in three weeks seems like a lot of physical contact, especially because she's a doctor. A mutual friend of ours is a little bit more direct than me, and my friend has stopped talking to her about her love life. This suggests to me that she does know what she's doing isn't necessarily healthy. My question for you is, how do I tell her that I worry about her without her feeling judged? I'm afraid that she will push me away and that me expressing my concern will actually have a negative effect because she will further isolate herself. I would love to hear your opinions and insights. Lots of love from the Netherlands. Marguerite. You can call me Maggie. Also, if I said your name wrong, I am very sorry about that. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for writing, Maggie. Uh, it sounds like you have a lot of really genuine and respectful care for your friend. And I really appreciate um, all of the clarification you added in your letter about, you know, not judging that it's not coming from a judgmental point of view. Um, and it's not mm -hmm. judging her sexual activity. It's more judging her mental or not judging not judging. It's more concern for her <laughs> wellness and if her yeah. actions are supporting her wellness. Because 
just to clarify for anybody listening who hasn't like caught on in the past 180 episodes, Sam and I are don't care how many people people sleep with. They, you can sleep with zero people, mm-hmm. one person, 50 people. Um, it doesn't have to do with a number. It has to do with making healthy, sustainable, fun choices for you and your genitals. <laughs> and the people, to be clear, that you are right, having right, sex right, with. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Consensual, right? Um, yes. So uh, I appreciate that clarification because I remember reading the first couple paragraphs of this letter and being like, oh, God, don't judge your friend. But then being like, oh, no, it's not that. It's it's more mm-hmm. a genuine. And, and I think I've been there where I've been like, this is not going to end well. Or, you know, yep. she, my friend is just having one of those times where she's got a... Um, she is acting out because she's hurting emotionally. And I'm not even talking yeah, about just absolutely. sexually. I'm, I'm really talking about probably more drinking or, or whatnot. Um, uh, I, think, I think I've witnessed it most as chronic uh, compulsive monogamy. It's like you go from mm-hmm. one heartbreak and not wanting to deal with it. So you go on to another relationship. That- yeah. I've also seen it being acting out and like people having affairs i've also mm-hmm. seen it acting out in people i have seen it acting out in people on like what what the oc uh the teen show from the early 2000s uh would call a slut spiral oh my god <laughs> that's terrible did they mean it in like a very offensive way yeah i think they did but then i co-opted it and now i just say it like in a positive way like oh Ooh, yeah are you on a slut spiral Ooh, yeah <laughs> gonna ride that hurricane all right absolutely um, uh So, Maggie, my darling, um, that all being said, I think that you you have an opportunity here to be um, to do what Sam and I love to do, which is to give a lot of love and a little bit of tough love. Um, I'm not sure what Sam's advice is going to be, but my instinct is it's there are ways in which you can reach out to your friend and let them know that they have, um, that you are a safe place for them to talk to, um, that you're a safe place that you don't judge them, but that you're Mm -hmm. maybe thinking that you want to make sure that their actions are supporting their authentic, healthy self. Mm -hmm. And caveat one more time before, like, I feel like I tried to say this in the beginning, but I want to say it one more time. Sometimes having sex with a bunch of different people is fine is is a healthy fine thing i don't mm-hmm. want to say that because of her actions she is unhealthy i don't want to i don't want to connect having multiple sexual partners with being unhealthy that is not a clear line to me and i just want to say that explicitly but mm-hmm. i do i think maggie paints a very clear picture that it's more about um you know one we're in a pandemic two um she's not sure if this is the authentic healthy version of her friend, right? Mm-hmm. If her healing's being postponed. But yep. I, I think you have an opportunity to say like, listen, friend, I really love you. I respect all of the choices that you make in your dating life and your sexual life. I don't judge any of them. I just want to make sure that you feel healthy. Have you stopped today to, to check in with you and what you need? Not about yep. what that Tinder date wants from you. Not about, well, has so-and-so texted me back? Not about how desirable I am. But how does me, friend, feel about me, friend, by myself? Mm-hmm. 
I think that's right. And I think um, I would say that even leaving the behavior that you think is unhealthy out of the conversation smart, smart. is probably the best way to go. So instead of saying to your friend, I'm concerned about your behavior, instead say to your friend, I'm concerned about whether or not you're, you're happy, right? Like, I really want right. you to be happy. What are some of the things that are bringing you joy today? Like, what are some of the things that are making you happy? Um, how can I help support you in, right. in a, like getting over this really hard thing that happened to you? And I think by focusing more on the person and the pain the person is going through, as well as like trying to reframe towards recognizing that good things are still happening and good things still exist is probably going to serve you better yes. than, than approaching them about the the way that the behavior is showing up. Right. Like, I don't think that your friend is at this point where they're like at rock bottom and they like need some really tough love, right. like intervention style. Right? right. Like I think, I think what your friend is showing is that they're like unhappy right now. And, and what, what you can do as a friend is to, in, to ask them about their happiness to, Talk about things that make you happy. Talk about things that you love about them and also create a space for your friend to talk about what I think is really at issue here, which is that she's feeling really hurt about these relationships um, and and being able to open up that conversation and say, like, I'm here if you want to talk about Doug or whatever his mm-hmm. name is. Like, Doug. I know that that <laughs> that must have been really hard. Like, I know that it's like it sucks a lot to be broken up with or to be dropped like a brick, as apparently you say in Dutch. Mm-hmm. So, um. I think leading from empathy and leading in an idea of I want to I want us to focus on like what is making you happy is going to be really good for you and that's I think that is what I have responded to best when people yes. have been concerned about me and the things that I'm doing because it is really hard when you know and when you know that your behavior isn't a reflection of what you actually want when right. people start start interrogating you about that behavior. Right. And I wonder too cuz while you were talking um, and being intelligent and articulate, <laughs> um, I was, Thank you. I was trying, well, you said it perfectly. I, I just love hosting this show with you. <laughs> um, I was imagining times in which I've felt the way Maggie felt like I've con- mm-hmm. felt love and concern for my friend. Um, and I'm trying to imagine like, at, what did I do? And the sad thing that I want to confess is that I think oftentimes, we want to be in our place. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we, we want to stay in our own lane and we don't want to overstep mm-hmm. and we don't want to offend. Right. Um, so we end up um, tip tiptoeing around the issue or avoiding it altogether. Like honestly, Sam, I was imagining what would happen if I was like, you know, in a different life situation and acting in a really, in a way that you recognize was unhealthy for me. Like at what tipping point would you feel comfortable saying, what's good girl? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're, and we're really close. Um, I guess that unless I brought it to you, when mm-hmm. would you feel, or how would you, how would you navigate that? I would only say it in a deeper conversation about what you're going through. Exactly. Right? Like I, I would only say it to you when we are bitching at brunch and you're talking about how sad you are that that boy broke up with you. And, and then like, and then if you, you say, brought it to well, me and said like, are you, and now I just like keep sleeping with all of these guys or whatever, then I would right. be like, 
yeah, is that really, is that what you want? Like, I'm yeah, are you no happy? tea, no shade, no pink lemonade, yeah. but like, is, is doing this actually making you feel better? Like, I know it's probably making you feel better in the moment, but like, and I, it seems I, like, I don't want you to add an extra layer of guilt about like the, the things that you're doing onto this sadness that you're already feeling about right. this breakup. And I think I'm, I'm glad you answered it that way. Cause that's what I imagined. It would be like, it would, you and I would come to that place in our friendship through a conversation almost invited. Right. But I'm also thinking mm-hmm. about those, those friends. I'm, I'm like thinking of one person in particular that like is <laughs> a chronic, you don't know them actually. They're a New York friend. Um, they're like mm-hmm. a, an acquaintance, I should say. They're like a chronic sure. uh, drama person. And I use that word pretty intentionally, mm-hmm. you know, like, because they they're in the stage of their life in which um, everything is, everything is intense, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. all of their friends, like the people that I am close with around them, recognize that th- some of their behavior is spiraling, right? Not a slow spiral, but just like um, mm-hmm. an unhealthy spiral, right? You can see them making, it's like domino effect bad choices for themselves because sure. they, because they're in, because they haven't dealt with themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I can see it like a mile away from on this person. No judgment, of course, because I recognize myself in them. Um, mm-hmm. And that friend group has yet to be, as lovingly blunt as we're talking about because the friend, the, 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 the tornado (laughs) talks about it without complaining about it, you know, doesn't say, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so unhappy, but like, it's like, ugh, so-and-so it did this to me and it was crazy. And then I did this or, uh, I think I'm going to start dating this person or I'm in this stage of my life. So they haven't identified it as a problem for themselves so that yep. friend group hasn't done what you just described, which is the door hasn't been opened, so they haven't addressed it. And I'm just For wondering, sure. like, where is the line? Because we can't control other people's feelings. We can't control other people's behaviors. Where is, like, where's the tipping point? If Maggie's friend hasn't said, I'm unhappy with my behavior, how does Maggie bring it to the friend? Um. I think that that's more difficult because like the first step to recovery in any sort of like unhealthy mm-hmm, behavior is admitting that you have a problem. Um, and luckily for Maggie, it does sound like her friend is like trying to stop this behavior, which I think is like at least a marker right. that something needs to change. And so I wonder also, Maggie, if there's an opportunity for you to like be a helpful person in helping your friend maintain the boundaries that she is trying to put up for herself. Right. Is it, is it possible for you to say like, Hey, would it be helpful for me to like call you at eight o'clock every night so that we can have like a, a, a nice friendly or like more in-depth conversation? Um, or is it, you know, do you want me to like go on your phone and delete your apps for you? (laughs) Or like, do you want me to change your did for me? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Or do you want me to change your passwords on Tinder so that you can't, like go on them. Like there are things right. that you can, can suggest. Um, but only I think when they open the door. Right. And I think there are absolutely times when a person needs to have some, like you are going, like we are going to close off this relationship. If nothing changes types of right. conversation, right. Like a, a legitimate intervention. But I do think 
what I think is hopeful for me about your, your letter is that it does seem like your friend is like recognizing that this isn't bringing her joy, that this isn't making her happy and that she doesn't really want to be doing it anymore. So I do think that there will be an opportunity for you to sort of bring this up in a helpful and, and positive way. Right. It's like, how can I help you do the thing that it seems like you've identified that you already want to do? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I really co-sign what Sam said earlier, which is um, don't even talk about the sexual encounters. Like that's not what we're talking about here. That is a, that is a, that is a neutral behavior that is tacked on to, that can be used as a coping mechanism, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I think the last thing that I would just say is like, we can do all of this stuff too, and also nothing can change, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is an outcome that might happen because we actually have no ability to control other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your friend needs to make these decisions about what she does with her body for herself. Right. And you need to, um, like, you need to get to a point where you either recognize the behavior is unsustainable for your relationship with her. Like it's causing you so much pain that you can't be friends with her. Right. Or you can, you just have to keep showing up and accept the fact that she is in charge of her own journey and she is in charge of the change that she wants to make and that there's nothing you can do to force or cajole her into making the changes that you want to see for her. Right. A hundred percent. Okay, Maggie, thank you so much for writing and thank you for being a good friend. Sam and I appreciate you and send you lots of love across the ocean. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets 
sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to, like, take the trash out in them while also, like, staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter is from Twisted Pretzel, who is writing to us from The Void. Trigger warning for sexual assault. Dear Sam and Sierra, first of all, I realize you might not feel comfortable answering my question because it is race related and you identify as white, but I've spent months trying to figure this out and there's no article on the internet nor person in my life who have been able to help me with this issue. I absolutely love your podcast and I trust you can guide me towards what's best for me. So here's my problem. I've been in a long distance relationship with my best friend. You can call him Alex for almost a year now. We haven't gone a day without talking since we met and he says he loves me and I love him. For context, I'm 20 years old and he is 24. I'm Latinx and he's a white guy. A few months before meeting Alex, I had a short but traumatic experience with another white guy who seemed nice at first, but ended up revealing that he liked jokes about sexual assault. He supported Trump and he fetishized my ethnicity. It's probably obvious, but I'm 100% against all those things. I hated myself for not realizing sooner and putting myself in a situation that led to months of intense emotional labor to heal from. I even told myself that I was never going to trust anyone again because of how easily the other person had fooled me. I spent the whole summer barely talking to anyone else and just focused on college and family. But my plans changed because I identify as asexual and I found out about an asexual dating app and just had to try it. I had about 50 short conversations with different people who were also exploring their sexuality, but those conversations didn't go anywhere. Then I met Alex and although we are very different people, we were instantly invested in what we, uh, in getting to know each other. Everything was pretty much perfect for a long time, but around six months ago, he dropped a bomb that I've been trying to ignore since, but it seems impossible to. We both identify as being on the asexual spectrum, but we haven't fully figured out what it means for us yet. Our conversations about sexuality have led us to talk about things such as sex and masturbation. I consider those things to be completely positive and healthy, even when they're not my cup of tea. 
One night, Alex decided to reveal that he loved to watch porn that featured women of color. I had never explicitly told him how much of a problem this was for me, but he knew I had struggled to tell people where I was from because of how terrified I was of being seen as an other. I cried a lot when he, quote, confessed what he liked. I took it as a personal attack because of how heavy of the topic it is for me. I find the over-sexualization and fetishization of women of color incredibly problematic because it immediately reminds me of the millions of women of color who were raped and continue to be assaulted by white colonizers and people in general. So here was this person that I had a ton of love for but liked something that made my blood feel like it was boiling. It was even more disappointing because I didn't expect to deal with this with another asexual partner. And also, was I just an object too? He noticed how much it unsettled me and promised that he was, wasn't going to do it again. I accepted his promise in an attempt to hold onto our relationship and tried to recover from that awful news. About a month later, he mentioned that he had gone back to what he calls his habit and it seems like he had completely forgotten about the promise that meant so much to me. Based on my love for him and my desire to be an understanding person, I have been trying to reason my way out of my discomfort and convince myself that maybe it, it isn't that big of a deal. But it is a big deal for me. I've developed a hypothesis to try to explain it with trauma epigenics. Maybe a Native American woman in my family tree was sexually assaulted by a white man and my body is just meant to want to run away from this or maybe it is my asexuality and i just don't know enough about how attraction works maybe it is nothing more than a result of the fact that he had sex for the first time with a woman of color maybe it hurts because of the years of being discriminated against my people being called animals by the president or i'm way too sensitive i don't know but the thoughts of it still hurts he has brought up his, quote, habit a couple of times since, and I have been avoiding talking about it because I feel like I will just want to end our relationship. I want to ask him to stop, but I get the feeling that he won't actually commit to it, and I don't want to be controlling. Should I keep waiting to see if time helps me get over it? Is it reasonable to take my feelings seriously enough to end this relationship? He's an awesome person, and I don't want to lose him. But seriously, I don't know how to get past this, and he doesn't think he is doing anything wrong. Any advice would be incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for taking time to read my letter, even if you don't answer it. And thank you for your podcast. It has helped so much. Oh, Twisted Pretzel, thank you so much for writing. Um, we love you. And Absolutely. Sam and I... First and foremost, we chatted about this letter before recording, and we just mostly want to say that, like, your feelings are real and your discomfort is real. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel I see you doing a lot of labor to unpack this discomfort. And just for like five minutes, this first five minutes of this letter, I just want you to like say, nope, my feelings are real and my discomfort is valid and I'm going to make space for them because I mm -hmm. see you doing a lot of work to disjustify them. And I know that that labor is love. I know that that is an act of love for Alex, but you just don't need to do it right now. Sam and I are going to hold some space for you that all of these feelings are real. This discomfort is real. This fetishization and the history of this colonization is real. So um, we just want to say uh, that that is all real. Absolutely. 
Um, and I think sometimes we have a like a knee jerk reaction to the idea of being triggered as mm. if being triggered is a bad thing, right? Like as if our reaction to the things that are happening to us um, is somehow um, not in line with what's happening to us. And that can be true, right? Like if the, if our emotional reactions to things are getting in the way of us actually sort of responding and, and being happy and healthy, that's absolutely something that you can work on for with a therapist, but like being triggered in and of itself is not a bad thing. It is right. a, it is a physiological and a psychological response to something that has caused you trauma or something that is causing you great anxiety. And that's not a bad thing. That's like a learned response. And so I want to say to you, I love the fact that you are trying to interrogate what is happening here. And you list all of these different reasons for why you might be triggered by it. Is it because of your asexuality? Is it because of the president? Is it because you've been discriminated against? Is it because of fetishization? And I want to say, yeah, like, all of those things yes, probably. And. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? And I think I think it's important for you to do that work to think about the ways in which this type of um this type of honestly oversexualization of women of color triggers mm-hmm. you for mm-hmm. sure. Like I think that that is something that is a gift that you can give yourself to process through that and identify ways to cope with that because it's not going anywhere. But I don't want you to do it so that your boyfriend can live in a false sense of serenity, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want you to do it so that your boyfriend doesn't feel any discomfort. That's right. not that's not interesting to me. And that that's a disservice to yourself. I really do want you to interrogate some of these things. And I want you to do it maybe with the help of a loved one or with a therapist. But I want you to do it for you because you want to move differently through this world. Because you want to cope differently with a racist, yeah. xenophobic world. And yeah. not because you want your boyfriend to not be comfortable or not be uncomfortable with this conversation. Right. Um, something that wasn't included in the letter that I am curious about um, is I invite you uh, to make your boyfriend uncomfortable and tell him why it makes you so upset. Um, I'm not sure if that happened. Like if, if this happened, just fast forward in the episode. <laughs> but um, I think, <laughs> you know, people are not especially um well no does everybody no one is born knowing everything and no one is born um able to love each other perfectly and this is Mm -hmm. like i just i want to invite you to um use this as an opportunity if you're choosing to stay with your boyfriend to let him see your authentic feelings and your authentic discomfort not that this has to be a teaching moment for him not that you have to teach him but um he might not understand i i and i'm not trying to like i don't know get him off the hook or whatever just sure. i it wasn't explicit in the letter whether you got into why this was so upsetting to you um but I know that when I hear someone tell me what something really means to them, I rarely have to hear it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to uh, talk about was, I said this in a previous ep- episode, I've just been thinking a lot about um, just the nuance of the world, the complexity of every situation. And just like in your letter, like you, you've given... This feels very muddy in your brain because you've looked 
you've tried to diagnose it in so many different ways, right? Um, that it might be this, it might be this, it might be this. And like Sam said, yes, all of that, all of that is contributing to this triggered discomfort. Um, and I want to add to that, that the idea that, um, you know, your boyfriend's desire, uh, his, his pleasure that, um, I want to use the word fantasy because, um, something that I learned on a Netflix series, sex explained, like sex comma explained, um, narrated by Janelle Monet. Fantastic. I think it was my blind date once. If not, it'll be my blind date today. (laughs) It was your blind date once. (laughs) You're still on the hook for another one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, uh, Janelle Monet, um, no, not about her, even though she's fantastic or they're fantastic. Um, so in it, they explain that, you know, like something like 90% of all fantasies aren't actually connected to our actual sex life, that our sex life is a different world than our fantasy world. Um, and that's why people can have fantasies or or sexual fantasies about things that they wouldn't actually want to do in real life or, or wouldn't actually need to fulfill in real life. Um, and why I'm bringing that up is because uh, if you, if, if this feels comfortable to you, because again, um, it, uh, I would only accept this if, if you had room in your heart um, after you made room for your own discomfort um, that, your boyfriend's fantasies, your boyfriend's preference for porn um, might only be live in that fantasy world. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that the world outside of his fantasy isn't a fucking racist, homophobic, xenophobic, trash society, right? I'm not saying, right. you know, it, it sucks that his fantasy world reflects the oppressive, um, violent world um, and history that you know too well. Um I'm not even, I'm not, I don't want to say like, oh, cool. No, that's fine. I'm just saying that in all of the complexity of this situation, it's true that you probably have um, a a genetic traumatic trigger response to this. It's also true um, that you're triggered by your past relationship. It's also true that your boyfriend might not know the implications of his desires. It's, you know... It's, it's the yes and everything is, mm-hmm. everything can be true in this situation, which makes it that much harder to move on from, from, especially because what I got from your letter, Twisted Prestel, is that like, you're very thoughtful and you're very caring and you want to, just like you said, you want to be an understanding person. So I, everything that I read between the lines is that you're not making a lot of space for your discomfort because you're trying to work so hard to understand and make everything else fit comfortably, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm trying to say in a really clunky way is that like, <laughs> it's a very, it's a super fucking clunky, complicated situation and all yeah. of it can be true at once. Absolutely. But how do you hear your authentic like voice, your authentic desires, um, your inner self through all the mental chatter? You know, how mm. do you, how do you reach your intuit intuitive needs through everything else that you're processing right now. And and that's really difficult. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you talked about how you want to ask him to stop again. Um, and for me, I don't think it's unreasonable in any way for you to ask him to stop, right? I don't think no, you should no. say, 
yep. stop this. But I think if you are willing and able, right, if you right. want to do this, if you have the heart space to be able to do this, to talk to him about all of the things that you told us and how it makes you feel and how, you know, the presentation of women of women of color in porn is so fetishized and so debasing right. that that you're deeply uncomfortable with it. Right. And offer him the opportunity to stop. And I I think it's not controlling to say this makes me deeply uncomfortable and I would pr- I would really like you to not do it. And because that is that's just establishing a boundary, right? Like right. knowing that he's doing this in his spare time is going to make you so uncomfortable in relationship with him that it just means that like he's not a bad person it just means that there's incompatibility there right, right. like if you are if he needs to do this thing which like have him write Ooh. in and we'll talk about it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and you need him to not do that that's a that's a compatibility issue and it's not controlling right. it's not manipulative it is like just a a a deal breaker for you. I know. And it's okay to have deal breakers. I'm so glad you said that too, because like the fact that he brought it up multiple times is the only time in which I was like, man, maybe this guy's just an asshole. (laughs) You know, like again, everybody's on their journeys. Nobody's a true asshole, but like, that's the only it's not knowing this person personally, right. Just getting to know them through the letter. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that he's not a bad person if twisted pretzel loves him. Right. So I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming he's not a racist piece of shit. Right. Although I have loved many a bad man. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. True. True. Our love has nothing to do with like their quality. Damn. That is I'm true. just kidding. They are not bad men. They are just people on their own journeys. <laughs> right. Exactly. That don't align with us. So anyway, twisted pretzel, the only time, the only thing that really made me be like, the only thing that tipped my scale towards uh, like a maybe maybe you should internalize this a little bit more or or maybe he's just not for you is that he brought it up a ton of times like maybe he doesn't understand why this is so problematic to you and maybe you don't want to explain it to him maybe you want a partner who just is like on the same page with you just gets it because that that is not too unreasonable to ask for i think that's something that i had to teach myself when i was younger is that all of my thing that all of the things that i was um settling for or being like okay well i just have to deal with this i didn't even give myself the opportunity to imagine a world in which i didn't have to teach my partner how to have an emotional calm conversation with me or mm-hmm. da, 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 you know and so you just have to strike like you are the only person in this three person conversation that knows Alex and knows not only knows Alex's heart, but um, knows how seriously he can take this. Right. Mm -hmm. And if he's not reflecting to you, if he doesn't, it's like all white people can be taught about racism and all white people can be taught about racist histories and things like that. Um, It's not about learning facts. It's about making intentional personal change it's about right. it's about really um, going against the grain of our white supremacist teaching, right? And 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 creating a new set of thinking, set of uh, relating to the world, right? And so mm-hmm. you have to under you you're the only one that can truly judge right now. Is he just listening to what you're saying and letting it go, or is he truly empathizing 
and and changing, right? This is one of those situations in which I would say change behavior is the only true apology. Mm -hmm. The only other thing I'll say that like, maybe I'll regret saying in like three hours is (laughs) the reason why I brought up fantasies is I really do believe that fantasies are separate from our sex life. You know, do you fantasize about things that you don't actually do in bed? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because I don't do anything in bed. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And so uh, if you haven't already watched Sex Explained, um, I do think they go into alternative sexualities like asexuality. Not that it's alternative, but less uh, talked about sexualities. Um, Mm -hmm. And the only reason why I say that is like maybe like homeboy should just not fucking tell you <laughs> like you know like maybe you should keep his and and that's hard because you're lo- a long distance b you're exploring sexuality i know i talked a ton i talked 100 percent more about my masturbation when i was long distance than when i'm living with my partner <laughs> you know what i mean like I, sure. we do not have sexy masturbation talk right now (laughs) because we can we can have intimacy in other ways so it's hard because you're long distance and that's how you're getting this sort of intimacy you're exploring your asexuality but like maybe you should just keep this to himself and to that i would finally add it's just up to you and your inner intuition of whether or not you can let this go long term and if you can't i just want to say that's okay just like sam said maybe he's just not for you Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think even if we create space for the fact that like his fantasies and his what he's actually interested in are separate, the fact still remains that you're deeply uncomfortable with exactly. what he's doing. That's that is the TLDR that I wanted from you. Thanks. It's that yep. like yep. all of these things can be true, but the hierarchy is the thing on top is you're uncomfortable, right? Yes. Fifty yep. steps down is he might not mean anything by it. Well, who the fuck cares? Because it's not about his intent. It's about the impact. Absolutely. And the other thing, just the last thing that I'll say um, that I think is you didn't ask about, but I think is also important. is just this idea of like queer scarcity. And I think sometimes we as queer people get into relationships with folks, especially when we are like starting out on our, our queer journeys get into relationships with folks and then feel like we can't leave because there's this idea that there aren't other people like us out there. Mm. Um, and just want to like, that I applies don't know to, if this is happening to you, right? right. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to put this on you, but I do want to say that there are other ACE people out there that are ready and willing to be in partnership with you. Um, like you even talked about how on the, your, the app that app. you were on, you had mm-hmm. 50 conversations, right? Like there are, there are plenty of ACE people out there and there will be someone that isn't going to make you this deeply uncomfortable um, with their, their fantasies and with right. their inability, at least right now to, to sort of process through what those fantasies mean in the reality that is a racist and xenophobic society right. where, where folks of color, black folks, indigenous folks are continually under attack. Um, and so just just to put that out there, because I know that I really struggled in my early relationships as a queer person with being like, well, this is all I got because like, who else is going to love me? There's only like right. 10 of us. Right. And that's not true. There are people all over the country and in your neighborhood who would right. love to embark on an asexual relationship with you. Right. Yep. Absolutely. 
Okay, Twisted Pretzel, we love you so much. And we see your discomfort and we're going to make space for it. And absolutely, we know you can find that um, inner voice. She's talking to you right now. Um, you just have to quiet the rest of the chatter and prioritize her. Absolutely. All right. We love you. Thanks so much for writing. Thank you so much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Our third and final letter comes from Castaway, who is writing from the Great Southern Land. Dear Sam and Sierra, I would first like to echo all the beautiful sentiments that are sent your way at the beginning of all the letters that you read and respond to. Discovering your podcast at the beginning of the pandemic has allowed me to dive into myself in ways I had not considered before. And for that, I am truly grateful. That was very sweet. Thank you. Very, very sweet. I'm a white cisgendered straight woman in her early 30s in a long-term live-in relationship with a cisgendered straight white man. And what I would like for you to discuss is the stigma and shame that surrounds changing your mind or falling Mm. out of love. I'm an extremely lucky person in so many ways. I moved to Australia by myself when I was 24, and this country has welcomed me with open arms, offering me opportunities I wouldn't have encountered and becoming more of myself than I ever thought possible. I met my boyfriend on an online dating app a couple of years into my Australian journey when I was just starting my master's, and now I am a PhD student and lecturer. I am someone with a type A personality. I am very goal-driven, quite independent, and tend to do too much at any given time, something I am trying to work on, but also gives me great purpose. My partner and I have had many issues, as couples do over the years. Mismatched expectations in life and love, as well as differing love languages, have cratered our relationship to the point where I have been thinking that we aren't right for each other anymore, which has been very much exacerbated by COVID-19. There is still so much I want to do, which includes potentially moving to Europe to teach or do a postdoctorate, or even just for work. I'm not sure what opportunity is going to come my way, but I want my life to be an adventure, and I know that my partner wouldn't have the tools to do these things without relying on me whereas I can pretty much do anything by myself. But the guilt is destroying me. Mm. It feels like everything I read is about toxic relationships or codependency. But what about just simply falling out of love with someone and feeling like they have become so dependent and reliant on you that you feel this incredible amount of pressure to take care of them? I have tried to encourage him to reconnect and strengthen his relationship with his friends and family the more I have felt like he has chosen to rely on me for all mental support which has also led me to wanting pretty much nothing to do with him sexually, which is very much his love language, touch, as well as words of affirmation, where mine is acts of service. The shame and guilt of wanting to leave is making me hate myself because it has become really unbearable. I feel truly horrible that a kind, respectful, and caring, albeit uninteresting man, loves me, and all I can think about is being alone and starting over. I also battle with my own insecurities and fear of being lonely and that I will find myself regretting this decision. Please tell me how you would handle this. Be brutal. I can handle it. Thank you for reading. Best, Castaway. Castaway, thank you so much for writing. Shout out to Australia. We will come to you one day. I manifest it. Yes, it'll be great. Um, Okay, Castaway. Uh, 
you know what to do, girl. <laughs> you know what to do. And it sounds like you've definitely, you know, you've, you've, you've resolved to it. You're just wrestling with the guilt. Um, mm-hmm. But it's possible to be sad and still make the right decision for yourself. It's possible Absolutely. to feel guilt and still make the right decision for yourself. You are strong. You are loving. You are capable. And you need to do what's right for you. We will never move through this world and make everyone happy. We will never mm-hmm. move through this life and not hurt and disappoint people. That is a part of being a human. Um and it really sounds like you have some huge goals. And on top of that, you have some disparities or um, incompatibilities with your partner right now that is making you feel as though you're you're ready to move on. On top of that, though, Castaway, like, sometimes it's just time. Like, it, I feel like from your letter, you're looking for, like, it's, there's no adultery, there's nothing terrible. It's just that, like, we've fallen mm-hmm. out of love. And sometimes those are the hardest breakups because we want to point to an infidelity and be like, that's why our relationship is broken. We don't want to point to ourselves and be like, I just fell out of love because that's, that means we're broken. That that means we're, Mm -hmm. we're the fucked up ones, but that's Mm -hmm. just not true. People fall out of love constantly all the time. Unfortunately it is. And fortunately, because falling out of love means we're making space in our hearts for new, better, more authentic love. Absolutely. All of that. And also, um, I would encourage you to look at attachment styles mm-hmm. um, and actually read the book attached that we have um, shouted out on this podcast a number of times, um, because I a hundred percent trust you that you are exactly right in feeling that this guy is not the guy for you. This guy is not the the partner for adventures that you are looking for. And also I see a lot in your letter that I struggle with as a person who has had a dismissive or avoidant attachment style, which is that it's not always like in the beginning of dating that this, this fear of intimacy starts to come out, right? It It's not always like, oh, I'm going to ghost you after two months, right? Sometimes it is like, wow, getting into a relationship with the person means that I have to take into account what they want to do with their lives, right? And that was a huge issue for when Peter and I started dating and we started getting really close. And like, I realized like, oh, if, if I decide to move up and move to Seattle, like I'm going to have to ask him if that's okay. (laughs) And that like really freaked me the fuck out. So like I can, I don't want to say like, this is happening to you because my job is not to diagnose anyone with their attachment style or with anything about their lives. Cause like that is you wrote me this letter <laughs> and I like, I, I don't know your life, right? Like, you know, your life better than I do. And also would encourage you to think about, is this a pattern with me? Is this something that happens a lot where suddenly I get to a point and I'm like, I feel like this person is not necessarily holding me back but this person is holding me accountable in a way that I feel really uncomfortable with, or this person is asking for a level of intimacy that I don't want to give them because that is something that, that I think folks with dismissive or avoidant attachment styles struggle with is that even though they get over the initial hump of like, yes, I returned that person's calls. Like we've got a good thing going. Like we're both comfortable. We're both independent people. And then suddenly it's like, yeah, we can still be whole independent people 
And also I have to ask them if I'm going to move somewhere <laughs> or like, right. and also I have to take their feelings into considerations when I make a decision sometimes. And that's really scary, but that is what intimacy is. That is what relationships are, is like you get wonderful things out of being in partnership with someone. Mm -hmm. You get wonderful things that like literally scientifically make your brain feel better by being in partnership with someone. It, but it does mean that for us people who feel weird about intimacy, that we have to be uncomfortable in some ways in order to let people into our lives. It is fascinating that we're, we are as close as we are. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I love us um, because we're just so different when it comes to our attachment style. That's so funny. Oh, absolutely. I'm, yep. I'm, and I was I'm, like, we have an, we might have a person who might be an avoidant attachment style. This is so exciting that I get to answer a question. I'm this so time. glad we have a podcast because now we're like legally bound through an LLC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We are, we are shared owners in just break up yeah, LLC. Yeah. <laughs> that's all the intimacy I need. Um, no, no, you're a very, so you're a very stay intimate in friend. New York. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Okay. Uh -huh. Anyway, cast away. Um, everything Sam said, is, but but you read in it more dismissive than it's like that. And yeah, I think that both things can absolutely be true at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. But this person isn't the person for you because he doesn't want to go on adventures. Right. right. Like that's absolutely legit. Like if he doesn't want to move to Europe, cool, then break up with him. Mm -hmm. But what might also be at play here is, is something that is afraid of that feeling of being tied down or that feeling of being beholden to someone. And I'm right. That's not a bad thing, right? Like attachment styles aren't bad things. They're not totally, they're not neuroses or like, right. they're not, they're not diagnoses. Illnesses, yeah. Right. They are just, they are just the ways that we have been taught to love other people and to protect our own peace. And, right. and so it's, it's not, a, I didn't mean to say it as like a disparagement. I meant to say it as an invitation to, to find out, what is motivating you in this conversation so that either you can look at this, this relationship with a different perspective, or next time you're getting into one, think about the ways in which this, this man made you feel because he was asking too much of you, but maybe not too much. Right. I'm glad you talked about it because we've also never talked about um, that attachment style showing up later in relationships. And it's so, mm -hmm. I feel like I understand you better too, as a person, as a friend after hearing that. Um, but I think something that Castaway shared about, you said something about protecting your like peace. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess to, to segue from Sam's um, attachment style um, conversation, I want to, I guess I want to end by asking Castaway, like, what does your piece look like? Um, mm. What are you, what does your partner bring to your life? And, and like Sam said, is it threatening your understanding of yourself? Is it threatening your safety, you know, or is it just not enough? Um, because it's okay if it's not enough. Uh, we we try people on as much as we don't want to, as much as that's such a weird thing to say, we, we try people on when we date them. We mm -hmm. we mash our lives together and we see how it fits and maybe it fits better for one person, but the other one's like, I've outgrown this or I'm ready to move on. Or I want to, I want to go somewhere. I want you to come with me. And the one party says, I, I want to stay just the way it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just wondering what, um, 
what is this relationship bringing you? Um, and then I want to give you full permission to leave it if you're ready to leave it. Absolutely. You don't need a blow up fight. You don't need it to fall apart. You Mm-mm. don't, you know, to break up, you don't need things to be on fire. You just need them to be not enough. Absolutely. And and defining not enough too, I even regret saying that because a lot of people in your situation, I've been there, been like, well, we're we're happy, we we get along fine, we have a good family relationship, we go on trips, it's fine, you know. That sounds like enough to me, but we're talking about that inner intuition, inner voice, the clarity that comes only from your heart being its most authentic self is your heart. Mm-hmm feeling that way can you do you feel free to be your authentic self that's that's the question um and if not then you have the full permission to to say i need to go find more life somewhere else or different life somewhere else um absolutely yeah i don't know um it's funny when i first read this i was like okay go it's time to break up but then your attachment style (laughs) um thesis made me think differently no and i didn't Um, I almost didn't bring it up because I didn't because I didn't want to throw that into this. Like I think right. I think honestly, Castaway, based on what you've told us, um right, there's it does lots seem of like you're just, Yeah. Yeah, it's just not a good match. But I think but like I said, you know, I think that it's good to examine this and say, like, is it that he doesn't want to move to Europe or is it that he wants he would move to Europe with me and it would feel like I had to take care of him, right? Which is like legitimate and also something that a very avoidant person would say. (laughs) So like, yeah, I don't think that it's necessarily like you're making the wrong decision. If you're making decisions based on your, your avoidant, your avoidant attachment style. I just think it's something to be aware of so that you can make a more informed decision about what you want to do and what you want to do with other partners in the future. Yeah. I'm thinking about too. I recently read something about courage that was like, no one is fearless. No one is without mm-hmm. fear. It's, it's moving with fear that builds the courageous like muscles in our heart or whatever. Absolutely. And I want to, I want to like adapt it just a little and say, um, you know, rarely in life are we a hundred percent sure of something Rarely mm. in life is the path so clear um, that it almost makes the decision for us. Unfortunately, we are the ones that have to muscle through all of that mental chatter, all of the confusion, and and decide really where to put our first foot in front of the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I say that maybe to give you a small amount of comfort that, like, it sounds like you're, you know, you were Googling toxic relationships and you just can't find what's wrong, you know, like what's wrong with me? Why am I I falling out of love with somebody? Um, I say that to maybe bring some comfort because we, we all find ourselves in situations that are very um, complicated and bittersweet and not, not, not even maybe complicated is the wrong word. Like um, we find ourselves in situations that aren't clear all the time. But we are all capable of making hard decisions. We're all capable of making choices that lead to a higher understanding. Um, and it, I, I guess 
maybe the weirdest thing I'll end on that Sam will love is that it's just a choice that Mm -hmm. whatever happens is going to be the right thing for you. Whether you stay with that person and then maybe six months from now you have more clarity and you're like, no, I need to break up. Or in six months you're like, I'm so glad I didn't break up. Or you break up and you see what life looks like without him. Mm-hmm. No choice that you will make right now will be the wrong choice. It will Absolutely. all, any choice will lead you to greater understanding. Yes, which is what all choices in our lives do is right. always lead us to a right. greater, or I would say a different understanding. Right, totally. Okay, Castaway, we hope that this helps um, and we love you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, we want to set you up with... The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Uh, Have you seen it yet? I watched one episode and it was so violent that I had to stop. (laughs) Violent? Really? The first? Oh, yeah. It is very... um, uh, It reminds me a lot of uh, the Watchmen um, book... Mm -hmm graphic novel and movie and the, that cinematic style. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't, I wouldn't call it particularly violent, but maybe, maybe I'm just numb like everyone else in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, don't let, don't let your like small children watch it. Um, yeah, no. Or like your Sam who doesn't do well with like person-on-person violence. Oh, my <laughs> Sam. Um, okay. So it, it was originally a graphic novel. I know I need to read the graphic novel upon watching the first season and starting the second season. Um, I have thought it unfolded a little bit slow in the beginning, but I could tell it was based on a book, which made me want to read it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the acting in it is really fun. Um, there's great characters. Uh, mostly it's not, this is not like my, um, overflowing endorsement of the show. I've just found it really fun to kind of like mm-hmm. get into a new world because it is, there's some magic powers. It's like part Watchmen, part X-Men, part, I don't know, Hunger Games, maybe not. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things. It's a world. It's a new world that you get into. And um, it's like part Phantom Tollbooth, <laughs> which is a children's <laughs> book. Um, so it's like, uh, it's just been a super fun thing to uh, to dive into. I have, I kind of like burned out on Netflix, as we were saying at the beginning of this show, like in the beginning of quarantine. Um, so I haven't been watching a lot of TV and it's been really fun to watch. The episodes are also like 50 minutes long. So the, you, you, it's not a bingeable show because, or else you'd like to spend your whole day watching Netflix, which no shame in that. Yeah. No, um, I'm like, there's like 18 people who are like, I binged that in one totally, day. <laughs> totally. And not to, I mean, been there, done that like with vampire diaries, like 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, vampire diaries. That should have been my blind date last week. <laughs> but, um, uh, I like it because it, it reminds me of back when shows were released one at a time or like more regularly that I've been kind of just like, it's been fun to re-enter a world slowly like that. So that's what's been bringing me joy this week. Um, and I hope you enjoy it called The Umbrella, Umbrella Academy. And I know I need to buy the graphic novel in addition to the Netflix show. <laughs> Got it. Okay. All right, All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod.
You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two strangers, giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our good friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, your intuition is speaking to you. It might have a very small voice. It might not be very loud, but it's trying to give you the clarity that you want. Try to quiet the chatter around you. Try to settle your heart to hear your most authentic desires. Your intuition is familiar and it's trying to help you. It knows you more than anyone else. And if you listen, you can hear it. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>